helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. It should have been a surprise to no one that the recent opinion in the Dobbs case, well, it would ruffle some feathers. The court found that a right to abortion is not found either in the language of the Constitution, neither is it in the history or tradition of this nation before the 1973 Roe opinion. The reaction from the progressives and pro-abortion groups have been pretty much what I expected. As a previous presidential chief of staff once said, never let a crisis go to waste. But what should they do if there isn't really a crisis? Well, simple. You declare one and move on. See, while some groups have tried to create a crisis with threats, violence, and even terror, President Biden merely declared that the Dobbs decision is a health crisis and is now using it to circumvent not only the Supreme Court's opinion, but the Constitution itself. Well, hello there, everyday Americans. My name is Paul Engel. You've joined us here at the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. Today, we're looking at what's going on. If there is not a crisis, well, can we simply make one up and move forward from there? Now, before I get to Biden's executive order, I want to look at, uh, well, some other attempts to create a crisis out of the simple fact that the right to abortion, the right to kill an unborn human being is neither in the Constitution nor the history and tradition of this country. Now, it started out with certain um, state and county judges that refused to allow abortion laws to go into effect, even though the Roe court said no, the, I'm sorry, the Dobbs court said this decision belongs with the people and their elected representatives. Now, we need to remember a couple things. I believe in the Constitution. I believe the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. I believe in federalism and separation of powers. And it is quite possible that uh, these judges are looking at some procedural issue or some issue of the state constitution that would prohibit or suspend the trigger laws, as they're called, the laws that were designed to go in effect when Roe was overturned. Maybe that's there. I haven't seen it. Maybe that's there. I remember in Texas, remember Texas, Wade was an, an official of the state of Texas. Texas was a, a party to the Roe v. Wade opinion, the Roe v. Wade case. And uh, when the court, when the Supreme Court said, hey, that law in Texas that we said was unconstitutional, um, it's not. Well, sure enough, man, a county judge comes in and says, no, you can't implement it, or as a state judge, you can't implement it because I don't know why. I didn't go into details about it because that was pretty much a state issue, but these are examples of what's coming up, and we see more. Well, for example, we're seeing uh, not simply uh, companies and states funding travel and all this. We see district attorneys that are ignoring state law and um, refusing to enforce it, uh, even from pro-life states, states that have pro-life legislation. See, a lot of people say, we need a law to do this. Laws don't do anything. Laws merely prescribe what happens when, a, when something is violated. And um, if the district attorney, the prosecutor, 
simply refuses to enforce that law, that law means nothing. Now, I know a lot of people are very upset that these district attorneys are refusing to enforce state abortion bans because they think it's wrong. But I remind them of something that happened in, in, where I lived uh, quite a few years ago. Remember, New York State passed the euphemistically named SAFE Act, uh, the one that did everything except keep, keep people safe. And in that act, they had a, uh, a, a law that, that said uh, you couldn't have more than seven rounds in a handgun at any time. And sure enough, man, somebody in my, was driving through my town. Uh, they got pulled over for a traffic stop. Officers saw the firearm, asked to inspect it, pulled the pistol, pulled the magazine. There were seven rounds in the magazine. He checked the chamber. There was a round in the chamber. That is one more than they were allowed by law. The person was placed under arrest on the spot. And the district attorney refused to prosecute. See, this is the double-edged sword of liberty. The ability to not enforce unconstitutional laws comes with the fact that there are going to be people who use that same liberty to not enforce constitutional laws. Or put another way, the ability to not enforce laws you don't like comes with the ability of people to not enforce laws you do like. But see, this doesn't really create that much of a crisis. It's a state crisis. It's a local crisis. It's, again... All the more reason why we need to spend less time focusing on Washington, D.C. and the federal government and more time focusing on our state and local governments because these district attorneys are local and county, in some cases, elected officials. They're your employees. What good, you know, if you... Um, if you are were so happy about the Dobbs opinion only to find out that your local DEA won't enforce it, you've you've lost it. it, it it's there, but it, it doesn't really do any good if um, uh, pro-life laws in your state are not enforced. So that was, I mean, that's not really a crisis yet. It's a, like I said, it's a local crisis. It's a state crisis. But there are others trying to make a more serious crisis. Well, for example, there's a, 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 a activist organization called Women's March. And they planned a rally this past Saturday outside the White House. Now, what was their stated goal? To get arrested. In an online document titled Summer of Rage Toolkit, July 9th, they state, while we welcome everyone to participate, the action will be centered around folks who are risking arrest. Now, remember, you have a right to peaceably assemble. If you're doing something that warrants arrest, if you are intentionally doing something that warrants arrest, you're not seeking to peaceably assemble unless you're trying to be arrested for some illegal, violating some illegal law. Now, in, in going through this a little deeper, I, I found something interesting. Um, again, from the document, we read, uh, please note, this is not legal advice. This is not official legal advice. Very important to say that. I do not give legal advice. They aren't giving legal advice. They said, but based on observations of previous actions, we will go into more depth of legal implications. We will process as we required uh, during the process required training uh, on July 8th. What we believe to be the most likely scenario is that we will trigger an arrest by U.S. Park Police 
for not being in continuous motion on the sidewalk. By not being in motion, you will be actually committing a citable offense in the District of Columbia, failure to obey a lawful order, Section 18-20002.2. This risk falls under a unique D.C. instrument called the Post and Forfeit, in which you will likely be taken off-site or into a nearby park to be processed by U.S. Park Police. Now again, they're trying to ra- they appear to be trying to raise attention by getting themselves arrested. Okay. Uh, what I found interesting is the law they're using to do this. Because I seem to remember, the, the, remember the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C. is a federal district. The District of Columbia is a federal district. It falls under federal law. It, it, every one of their laws has to be approved, needs to be approved by Congress. Congress has sole legislative authority over the District of Columbia. I know Congress said they could make some ordinances, but that violates the Constitution. It's therefore illegal and void. All right, but Congress is responsible for all the legislation that happens there. And you have the right to peaceably assemble. How can it be a lawful order to, to order you to move along if you are not committing a crime in the first place? See, yes, if you were, oh, I don't know, um, committing some other crime, if you were trespassing, if you were, uh, uh, I don't know, prohibiting the access to a, a, a residence or place of business or government office, if you're committing some other crime and you're told to move along and don't, that's fine. I, that's why I said maybe want to look into some details. But the point I really want to get back to is they are intentionally trying to get arrested, apparently to raise awareness for the fact that, uh, yeah, the Constitution doesn't say you have a right to kill another human being just because it's still in the womb. But we see this is, is a, again, another step in escalation. We saw another one. Uh, Associate Justice uh, Brett Kavanaugh was out for dinner. He's going to a, a Morton's Steakhouse, by the way, I, I mentioned the steakhouse by name. I'll explain why in just a minute. So he's having a nice dinner. Uh, I'm not sure who he was with. When a group of pro-abortion activists basically besieged the, state, the, the steakhouse. In fact, it became so untenable that even though the steakhouse defended Kavanaugh's right to enjoy a meal, well, those progressive pro-abortion um, I don't want to call them terrorists. I don't know that they rose to the level of terror, but they certainly were uh, not peaceful, not peacefully assembling. They weren't happy with that. That wasn't enough. So, you know, they didn't like that, so Kavanaugh left without his dinner. That wasn't enough. They terrorized, according to reports, they terrorized other diners at the restaurant. That wasn't enough. And apparently, because Morton Steakhouse defended Kavanaugh's right to enjoy a meal, this group found others. They made phony reservations at Morton Steakhouses nationwide to punish them for actually allowing someone to be one of their customers. Now, again, going after people that you disagree with in restaurants is nothing new to the progressive Marxist left, to this this communist, dictatorial, uh, uh, totalitarian left. They don't want opposition. And they won't stand for someone who disagrees with them. 
They've harassed and threatened politicians and public officials they disagree with. There is video of um, members of the House of Representatives calling on people to disrupt the, the dining out of people they disagree with. And again, I don't know that this would fall to the point of terror, uh, only because I'm very specific about the use of words. But you certainly have a people creating a disturbance. You have a you have a breach of the peace. You have a violation of the rights of others. And you know what I haven't seen and I haven't heard. I haven't heard anybody who called the police. I haven't heard about the police showing up and actually arresting these people. If they were disturbing the restaurant, if if they were tearing again, Justice Kavanaugh anyone in his party, anyone else at the dining at the, at the diner's office. If they were doing that, where are the criminal charges? Where's the investigation? Now, I fully understand that if the police weren't there in time to uh, see the people doing this or to arrest them um, because of uh, complaints made by other diners or the owners of the restaurant, uh, I, I, I understand that. But here's the point I want to make. And that is, um, there's a reason why we have a right to defend ourselves. And the problem is, see, I I understand, you know, if someone's being an idiot, you're best off to simply walk away. From a purely self-defense standpoint, if you can walk away, walk away. But how often do we allow these tactics to win before people start realizing, hey, these work, and they continue to use them. See, the problem, you know, if you submit to extortion, you open yourself to more extortion. And that's pretty much what this is. You, if you're not going to comply with us, we're going to make your life ugly. We're going to make it miserable. We're going to demonstrate outside your house. We're going to disturb you when you're out in, in public. We're going to make people miserable because you won't do what we want. It's extortion. And until one of two things happen, it's going to continue. Now, thing one is that law enforcement actually starts cracking down on this. People who are committing this form of extortion and intimidation are arrested, charged, tried, and if found guilty, punished. The other is for the American people to stand up and protect those who are being extorted to stand up and uh, either complain. Uh, you know, if, if Morton said you have a right, did the Morton's, uh, uh, the, the, the restaurant owner call the police? Did anyone there call the police? Did anyone there do anything to help? Or did they simply sit back and wait for government to take care of it for them? See, that's the part that worries me. Have we become so dependent on government protection that we won't stand up for our own rights or the rights of an innocent bystander because they're going to sit by and wait for government to protect them for us? And just to show how petty those who want to take away your rights are, the infamous Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the example of hoof and mouth disease, tweeted, Poor guy, he left before a souffle because he decided half the country should risk death if they have an atopic pregnancy within the wrong state lines. It's all very unfair to him. 
Like, that's a bald-faced lie. Every state has a law. When, when the pregnancy is a threat to the life of the mother, the pregnancy can be terminated. But just think of the callous disregard. How, you know, th- this is the same Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who was terrified by demonstrators out in front of the Capitol that she had to go hide under a desk. She doesn't mind inflicting it on people who disagree with her. Now, I have to take a break. Before I do, I have some good news for you. I have an incredible offer for you. Throughout the month of July, in celebration of our nation's independence, every one of my listeners, all of them, new and repeat, will get 50% off Healthy Cell's Immune Super Boost. Now, all you have to do is go to HealthyCell.com slash OutLoud and use the code AMERICA50. That's America50. And you'll get 50% off your Immune Super Boost. Again, that's HealthyCell.com slash OutLoud. But make sure you use the code AMERICA50 to get 50% off your Immune Super Boost. And we'll be right back after this short break. Many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off any order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off. It's summertime. Ready for your vacation to the beach, the lake, or the mountains? But what about your accommodations? Ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests? Kathy G. from Tulsa says the Genesis Fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling. With Genesis, she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash outloud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. The Genesis Fogger is critically important to breathing cleaner air, which is essential to good health. Almost no one is killing pathogens in the air where they pose the risk of transmission. We've been ridiculously focused on hand sanitizer and other measures where the problem is the microbes are in the air, including COVID-19. The Genesis Fogger is HOCL. It's a powerful tool, not only for living with COVID, but also removing harmful pathogens. Remember, if we have fewer virions in the air, much less likely to get a critical inoculum and actually get clinically sick. The same thing applies to the cold and flu, whether it be adenoviruses, coronaviruses, polymyxoviruses, influenza, viruses. And also, there are antibiotic-resistant superbugs. There can be ones particularly that are airborne, including uh, Clostridium difficile, which is airborne and um, in contact mode. So uh, consider the Genesis Fogger that utilizes HOCL. The Genesis Fogger is perfectly designed. It's a machine that produces a fine dry mist using HOCL that quickly kills germs, bacteria, and viruses in the air and surfaces and it does it simultaneously. So please go to uh, Genesis Fogger 
Jeffcoachingcoaching.com slash outloud and uh, get 15% off your purchase of the Genesis Fogger. That's where the upfront cost is going to be. And I can tell you, you're going to be happy you did it. So let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, well, we're pointing out that if there is, doesn't, isn't a crisis, there are those that will simply make one up. We spent the first segment looking at some of the things that were building to this crisis. And again, it wasn't the people who um, were opposed to Roe v. Wade. It wasn't the pro-life groups who were doing it. It's the pro-abortion groups from district attorneys, judges, and activists. We see this escalation of um, disagreement bordering on intimidation. And I, I need to make a correction. I, I did forget that, yes, the police were called to the Morton Steakhouse. And um, uh, although no arrests were made, uh, they were called when uh, the group tried to get in and disrupt uh, Justice Kavanaugh's dinner. But I want to talk about Biden because, again, immediately after the uh, Dobbs decision, Congress said they were going to—they were starting to work on "quote unquote" codifying Roe v. Wade, which basically is what the sort of what the court said. See, it—it's. I say sort of because the court did say that this belonged to the people and their elected representatives. But of course, Congress seemed to forget that uh, that little thing called the 10th Amendment. And if the Constitution does not give a power to the United States, the United States doesn't have the power to deal with it. But Congress has ignored that for decades. 90% of the executive agencies they created are not powers delegated to the United States by the Constitution. That's right, 99-0. When I wrote my book, I found a website that listed all the federal departments and agencies, and 90% of them are exercising powers not delegated to the United States. So the fact that Congress is doing it is not a surprise. And the fact that King Biden is simply going to write an executive order doesn't surprise me either. Now, his executive order is, um, I don't want to put this. It's not like he said, uh, uh, no, uh, abortion is legal. It's this, how do I get the uh, executive agencies to come up with a way to make this happen? Now, I want to spend some time going through this executive order because uh, I think it's fairly enlightening. And I want to, to, to deal with it uh, not simply as, as a quick pass-by. So Section 1 says, Nearly 50 years ago, Roe v. Wade articulated the United States Constitution's protection of women's fundamental right to make reproductive health care decisions. Okay, line number one. Uh, 50 years ago, Roe v. Wade said that the, right, the decision to make an abortion was between the woman and her doctor and that the state had no say in that. But that's a difference in saying that, that the, oh, by the way, this right was there, they just finally articulated it. And by the way, it said, it wasn't talking about, we weren't talking about reproductive health care decisions, we were talking about abortion. See, to call reproductive health care decision, uh, abortion, a reproductive health care well, basically, it's to call unnecessary amputation cosmetic surgery. See, there are people in this world that have this disease where they want to cut off parts of their body. We don't call that cosmetic surgery. 
but we're supposed to believe that it's reproductive health care, as if there was nothing the person could do to prevent, the woman could do to prevent being pregnant, as if pregnancy just magically happened. She woke up one morning pregnant. We have no idea how it happened. Now, that did happen once, a little over 2,000 years ago. But pretty much since then, every other human being was born because people had sex. And again, in this day and age, with access to true uh, uh, contraception, the the there's you know if if a person is not willing to take responsibility for their actions, that doesn't make it healthcare. That's a whole other issue. Now, the, the section one goes on and says, uh, these deeply private decisions should not be subject to government interference. It's not the decision of abortion. It's the fact that abortion takes a human life. This is, again, something that keeps getting lost. The pro-abortion side doesn't want you to hear that. Uh, it goes on, yet today, fundamental rights to privacy, autonomy, freedom, and equality have been denied to millions of women across the country. Again, bald-faced lie. The court didn't say that the right to abortion doesn't exist. They said it doesn't exist in the United States Constitution or the history and traditions of this nation prior to 1973. It says nothing about privacy. It has nothing about autonomy. It has nothing about freedom. It has nothing about equality. Now, I find this interesting because this is the same Joe Biden that said the Second Amendment is not absolute. But apparently the right to abortion is it that doesn't actually exist in the Constitution is absolute. Again, you cannot deprive a person of life without due process of law. That's prohibited by the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendments. But we keep losing that because we're fo they're, they're trying they're playing the magician's trick. They want you to focus on what they want you to focus on and ignore the rest of it. So we start right out with a couple of good bald faced lies. Uh, he goes on, eliminating the right recognized in Roe has already had and will continue to have devastating implications for women's health and public health more broadly. Again, the court didn't eliminate the right. The court said it wasn't protected by the federal government, that it was something the people, through their representatives, had to deal with, Mr. President. And for a member, the supposed leader of the Democratic Party, why are you so afraid of the democratic process? Because you don't believe in democracy unless you're the one ruling the democracy. Now he goes on with some more drivel. And then he gets to the point of, in the face of this health crisis, excuse me, time, what health crisis? What woman has died because Roe v. Wade was overturned? How many babies have not been killed because Roe v. Wade was overturned? Because you remember, California, New York, Illinois, these states still have quite broad abortion rights. They have abortion quite uh, pretty much on demand for any reason you want. Yes, there are places in this country that said, you know what? Killing babies is not what we want. But the problem is the tyrants, this, this, I, I, I'm developing this idea that um, kind of parallels with uh, uh, Orwell's 1984. And the idea of what the party says is true regardless of the facts or logic. And by this, I don't mean the political party. I mean this idea of progressivism. This idea that we're, we need to progress. Because it's not simply the Democratic Party. It's the media. It's social media. It's, it's academia. That are all following a single party motion. 
And I don't think it's that these the, the media and social media are there supporting the Democratic Party as much as all of them are supporting a progressive movement. And that's the idea I'm trying to put to to kind of distill in my head. So here you have President Biden, no facts, no data, silly declaring, oh, we have a health crisis. Why? Why is he doing it? Well, so they can get the federal government to, quote, unquote, quote, protect, take, take action to protect health care services. Again, not health care services, murder, the killing of innocent human life. Because remember, every state in the union that I am aware of, if there's one that doesn't, please let me know, says that if the life or the physical health of the mother is endangered, the pregnancy can be terminated without prosecution. Every single state. This is not a, a, a question of protecting reproductive services. This is a, a, the ability to protect infanticide, to protect murder. Now, this is where things start to get a little weaselly. See, I'm, I'm skipping over some stuff that, that, you know, it's more boilerplate. But in Section 3, we read, um, within 30 days of the date of this order, the Secretary of Health and Human Services shall submit a report to the President. Well, all right, let's remember, the Department of Health and Human Services does not legally exist because health and human services Regulating that is not a power delegated to the United States. Therefore, the legislation that created the Department of Health and Human Services is invalid and void. Not according to me, according to the Supreme Court of the United States in Marbury versus Madison. But what does uh, the president want the secretary to, to report on? Well, they want to identify potential actions to protect and expand access to abortion care, including medica uh, medication abortions, and to otherwise protect and expand access to the full range of reproductive health care services, including actions to enhance family planning services, such as access to emergency contraception, uh, which is, a, by the way, a euphemism for a chemical abortion. See, contraception means to prevent reception. There's no conception. Emergency contraception doesn't prevent conception. It deals with the conception after it's happened. Now, for many Americans, they say that's fine. It's simply a blob of cells, and they're okay with that. But let's not, you know, let's not pretend words don't mean things. The president wants the, Depart the Secretary of Health and Human Services to come up with ways that the federal government can expand access to abortion, medical abortion, surgical abortion, and what they refer to as the full range of reproductive health care services, which in, which in their mind includes killing unborn babies. That's what he wants. Again, there's no law that allows this. There's nothing in the Constitution that allows this. The Supreme Court has already opined that this is not a power delegated to the United States. The president doesn't care. See, the Constitution is great for him when it does what he wants. When it gets in the way, well, he just brushes aside and says, no, I'll do an executive order. I mean, can't you just hear the echoes of, I've got a pen and a phone, and I'll do whatever the heck I want. Now, the Secretary of HHS is also supposed to identify ways to increase outreach and education about access to reproductive health care services, especially abortion, especially abortion, including a, a public awareness initiative. Oh, so they want to spend your money to tell people how to get free or reduced price abortions. 
funny. I don't see that coming under um, paying the debts, providing for the common defense, or the general welfare of the United States. Now, you may think it's for the general welfare of the people, but doesn't Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, the taxing authority of Congress, doesn't include the general welfare of the people. It's the general welfare of the United States, the same United States, the same noun used in the Tenth Amendment that says, if it's not given to you by the Constitution, you ain't got it. And I know my English teacher just rolled over in her grave for using the word ain't. Let's see, the Secretary of HHS is supposed to identify steps to ensure that all patients, including pregnant women and those experiencing pregnancy loss from miscarriage and etopic pregnancies, receive full protection for emergency medical care afforded under the law. Well, gee, he finally came up with the idea of law. Uh, by the way, miscarriages, etopic pregnancies, have nothing to do with Roe v. Wade. Nothing to do with the Dobbs opinion. Nothing whatsoever except to scare the pants out of people that think, oh, you know what, if, if I have any topic pregnant, if, if I have a miscarriage, am, am, am I going to be uh, uh, arrested? No. Not in any state of the union. And if there was a law passed that would uh, provide for the arresting of a woman for a miscarriage or, or uh, terminating any topic pregnancy or any pregnancy that uh, threatened her life, it would not stand constitutional muster because the Constitution says that you can't deprive someone of life, liberty, property without due process of law. If you are a threat to the life of someone else, that's, you know, that's due process. For the very same reason that if someone is threatening your life, you have the legal authority to take theirs to protect yourself. Self-defense. It's the same thing if, again, a woman, an etopic pregnancy or any pregnancy that is threatening her life. Self-defense. I had to terminate the pregnancy for self-defense. But again, we're going to ignore that because, well, it's inconvenient. It isn't the narrative. And then we have Section 5. This is great. Um, the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Director of the Gender Policy Council shall establish and co-chair an, an interagency task force on reproductive health access. Again, federal government taking your tax dollars to create an interagency task force on reproductive health care to help promote abortion within the United States in contravention to the Supreme Law of the Land, the Constitution of the United States. These are all illegal. How much? These are illegal acts. These are violations of the Constitution. These are violations of President Biden's oath of office. This is the opposite of faithfully executing the laws of the United States because the Constitution is the supreme law of the United States. But this is how we act. If there's not a crisis, we create a crisis. If we don't create one, we'll simply declare one. If the law is on our side, we pound the law. If the facts are on our side, we pound the facts. If, the, if neither are on your side, they simply pound the table and say, we have to do this. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's an executive order. This has no legal authority whatsoever. Anybody that claims that, they, um, that, that this executive order is going to force them to, to um, perform an abortion Hogwash. This is the president getting his cabinet to set the stage to implement abortion 
by executive diktat. And if you were to do so, it'd be just as illegal as everything he's saying here. See, that's the interesting thing. All he's doing is he's ordering his cabinet to prepare to further infringe on the rights, on the Constitution, to ignore the Constitution. Now, he may say, now, he obviously believes that the court got it wrong. And the Supreme Court and the executive branch, well, they're separate branches of government. And the Supreme Court has no power to enforce their opinion. Now, I'll explain that, but I have to wait till after this upcoming break. So before I go, there's a couple things. Um, I'm working on a new project. I'm looking for a publisher. I have a book project. I, I have a, an interesting take on the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers I would like to discuss with a publisher. So if you are a publisher, you work for a publisher, or you know someone who does, please have them contact me. I'd love to discuss the project with them, see if they would be interested in collaborating on it. Also, if you watch any of my videos on YouTube, well, it may, they may not be there much longer. I've gotten my first strike, and uh, I'll talk about that at, at uh, another time. But I want to encourage you, if you've been watching on YouTube, please watch on Rumble or write on the ConstitutionStudy.com website. Uh, again, I'll probably talk a bit more about that later. But uh, the last thing I want to remind you is, you know, AmericaOutloud.com has some great news and articles and podcasts and videos on its own. It's a great place to go. Go every day. See what's going on. Find the information that can help you live a free life and then do your part. Share those videos, those podcasts, the articles and stories so that you can also spread the blessings of liberty. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Now the spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America Out Loud. Now we invite you friends to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices. It's all back at AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. We join the Constitution Study. Today we're talking about creating crises. And uh, as I was leaving, I was talking about the court and the fact that the court has no power 
to actually enforce their opinion. Now, as proof, I want to point you to Federalist Papers number 78. And we read in here, this is Alexander Hamilton talking about the, the power of the judiciary. And in there we read, Whoever attentively considers the different departments of power must perceive that in a government in which they are separated from each other, the judiciary, from the nature of its function, will always be the least dangerous to the political rights of the Constitution, because it will be least in capacity to annoy or injure them. The executive not only dispenses the honors, but holds the sword of the community. The legislature not only commands the purse, but prescribes the rules by which the duties and rights of every citizen are to be regulated. The judiciary, on the contrary, has no influence over either the sword or the purse, no direction either of the strength or of the wealth of the society, and can take no active resolution whatever. It may truly be said to have neither force nor will, but merely judgment, and must ultimately depend on the aid of the executive arm, even for the efficacy of its judgments. And here we see an example of that. See, the court has offered their judgment. I believe their judgment is fully supported by the Constitution. I've said so for as long as I've been studying and discussing uh, this on this matter on the Constitution study. But they're dependent on the executive. They're dependent on the president to actually enforce this. The president is saying, uh, no, I, I believe there's a right to abortion, even though the court says there isn't, simply because the court once said there was. I'm not here to debate the logic of that. That's irrational. But I'm here to understand part of the separation of powers means what's the court going to do? The answer is it can't do anything. It can scold. It can, it can wave its finger. It can put out mock you know, rulings or, or generally be vindictive. But the court doesn't have any power. Now, you know who does have power? Well, see, we the people have power. The states have power. And that ultimately is where this needs to end up. You see, Biden can order his cabinet secretaries to do whatever research they want, to come up with other plans, whatever reports. That's his power delegated to him under Article 2 of the Constitution. Section 2, Clause 1 which reads, he, being the president, may require the opinion in writing of the principal officer in each of the executive departments upon any subject relating to the duty of their respected offices. So yes, the president has the power to tell Secretary of HHS, I want this report. Well, again, HHS doesn't legally exist because a law that the legislation that created it is invalid. It is, um, you know, therefore it's void. But we gave up on that decades ago. So his, him asking for this information um, is perfectly legal. The question is, what does he do with it? More importantly, what do the American people allow him to do with it? See, I've been talking recently about the blessings of liberty, too, and I just added a bunch of new dates and venues. Uh, I'm going to be in North Dakota, Idaho, and Wyoming uh, in the time, you know, middle of September. So if you want to find out more, go to constitutionstudy.com slash tour. If you want me to come speak to your event, fill out the form at constitutionstudy.com slash tour. You want to help me get to these events, you can do so right there. Those, that's a wonderful site. But during this tour, I'm talking about how do we regain the blessings of liberty? How we, we recognize that 
the power structure in this country has logically been inverted. I don't mean legally inverted. I mean logically inverted. The law still says that the federal government has limited powers, limited enumerated powers. They act as if they don't because the states and the people have allowed them to. And like an infection that's run rampant through the body, it's going to take some serious work to fight it, to, to, to tamp it down. But we can do that. So when I come back to this idea of, you know, okay, he's asking for this, it's time for the American people to start standing up and saying, uh, no, uh, this is not a federal issue. The court was correct when it said that this was not a power delegated to the United States by the Constitution of the United States. You cannot find it in the history or tradition of the United States before it was invented by the court in 1973. Uh, no, Mr. President, you can't simply say that, well, I like this one, so it must stay. I don't like that one, so it must go away. We have to, you know, if we're going to be a land of law, then we need to act that way. Now, how do we go about doing this? I keep talking about focusing, starting locally, true grassroots, making sure your, your county and local governments are following the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. Because yes, your county and local governments are just as bound by the Constitution of the United States as the president is. Then we work on our states, right? Because we have, again, the states. If the states wish to, um, wish to fulfill their duty, then it's their job to look and say, wait, excuse me, Mr. President. Uh, you work for us. We created your office. We hired you. You work for us. And uh, a majority of us believe the court got it right. So you can get all the reports you want, but you have no legal authority to implement them. By the way, the same to Congress. Remind your members of Congress in the House and in the Senate that the court, the court was right. Abortion is not protected by the Constitution, history, or traditions of this nation. If they wish to find one, prove it. If you want to codify Roe, prove you have the legal authority to do so. Now, I'm sure. I remember when they talked about this with the Affordable Care Act. And they asked Nancy Pelosi, where in the Constitution is Congress authorized to create the Affordable Care Act? And if memory is correct, her answer was, are you kidding me? Well, it's time to stop kidding around and say, no, no, we're not kidding. We're serious. We established these rules. We created you not the other way around. It's about time you start acting like employees rather than dictators. Now, here's the interesting thing, because one of the things we see in this uh, debate is a lot of statistics. And, uh, you know, there, there are three types of lies, lies, darn lies, and statistics. See, we keep hearing that uh, the, uh, the American people support Roe. The American people support abortion. And what the court did was just unconscionable because, well, it, it not only overturned the, uh, uh, what, the what it had found previously in the Constitution, but it's going against the will of the people. Well, like any poll survey, how you ask the question is as if not more important than the question itself. For example, there's, there's a group, uh, AAP Log. And they did a, a poll of 1,600 registered voters 
um, between June 3rd and 6th, 2022, uh, a random sample uh, opt-in, uh, and it was 48% men, 52% women. And they say there's, a, there's an average of 2.45% margin of error across all of these. So let me give you an example here. They asked the question, do you support or oppose the 1973 Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, which recognized a constitutional right to abortion? 53% support it. Now, 37% strong, percent strongly support it. 16% somewhat support it. But again, 53 more than half support it. And only 31% oppose it. Okay. They went on. They said, well, do you support or oppose Roe v. Wade if you knew that it allowed abortion up to birth, including late-term abortions, when the fetus can feel pain? Only 28% support Roe v. Wade if you realize that it allowed abortion up to birth. 56% opposed it. That's an interesting number, isn't it? Wait, I support Roe v. Wade until I get some details about Roe v. Wade. Then support disappears. Well, then how about this question? Do you agree or disagree that women should be empowered with information and deserve fully informed consent? They have the right to know the ele that elective abortion is never medically necessary and can have serious physical and mental health consequences that could last a lifetime. 75% agree with that statement, that women should be empowered with information, that they have the right to know that an elective abortion is never medically necessary and can have serious long-term physical and mental consequences. Only 13% disagree. Now, they were also asked, at how many weeks do you think abortion should be prohibited? At what point should we, after this, you prohibit abortion? Zero to six weeks, 55%. Seven to 12 weeks was 18%. By the way, 37 to 40 weeks, late-term abortion? Yeah, 13% still think, they think that's the time that it should be prohibited. See, it's how you ask the question that is as much a part of, the, of it. Go all the way back to the beginning. The very first two questions. Do you support Roe v. Wade? 53% agree. Do you support it if you realize that it was up to, late, up to and including late-term abortion? Only 28% agree. Now, if that's the case, if 56% of the of people agree that if, a, if Roe v. Wade meant you could have late-term abortions, which has been the, the, the standard among the courts, well, then 56% of the people agree that Roe v. Wade should have been overturned. And if 56% of the people agree that Roe v. Wade should have been overturned, why are those people not informing their elected representatives to not support codifying, quote-unquote, codifying Roe v. Wade? You see, I think we're still sitting back waiting for someone else to protect not only our rights, but the rights of the unborn. We cheer when things go our way. We moan when things don't. But what we're not doing is getting involved. So here's what I would ask you to do. I always try to give you something to, to do to, to, to help deal with this. I would ask you to talk with your elected local, county, and state officials. 
Start with the local, start with the county. It's easier to get a meeting with them anyway. Find out their position. Ask them, their, ask them was, were, were the, was the court correct in Dobbs when it said that the right to an abortion was not found in the Constitution of the United States? If they say, no, the court was wrong, ask them to show you. Show me where. Because if it's not a federal issue, well, then the question becomes, is it a, it, it, it naturally devolves either to a state issue unless it's, pro, it's prohibited to the states by the Constitution. That's what the Tenth Amendment says. Do the same thing for your state officials. Understand, you know, regardless of what Biden is doing, regardless of what Congress is doing, you have to understand that um, they're there to serve the states, not the other way around. We need officials in our county courthouses, in our city halls, and in our state houses that not only know the supreme law of the land, but have the intestinal fortitude to stand up for it, especially when it is challenged, especially when there are those that wish to circumvent, to ignore the supreme law of the land, to get the outcome they want. Now, by reading this survey, there is some disagreement about when life is detected in the womb, but that always seems to be pretty early. Six weeks. At six weeks, 68% of those surveyed said when an embryo has a heartbeat, that is a sign of human life. And the Constitution in the 5th and 14th Amendment said you cannot be deprived of life without due process of law, which is exactly what an abortion is, the depriving of life. And if we're going to sit back and, let's, and wait for someone else to defend the rights of others, well, there'll be nobody there to defend our rights when the time comes. Stop being dependent on others. Stop being dependent on government. Stop being dependent on, on organizations and programs to do your job and defend not only your rights, but your friends' rights and your neighbors' rights. Defend your rights. John Jay said we should all read and study the Constitution of our country and teach the rising generation to be free so that we will know when our rights are being violated and be prepared to defend and assert them. And again, you can find out more at theconstitutionstudy.com. I'm still doing my uh, uh, online study. We, every other week we're meeting online. We're having a great time. Go to constitutionstudy.com study to find out more. But if we're going to wait for someone else to defend our lives, if our freedom, if our rights are dependent on the actions of others, then we are not free. We're simply subjects of others. And as Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We are watching an extinction-level event when it comes to freedom in America today. Are you going to sit by and watch well, it happens. Or will you stand your ground? Will you decide you won't fire unless fired upon, but you agree that if they mean to have war, let it begin here. Let us begin the fight before it requires arms. Let us begin the fight when it is simple and easy. 
as easy as, as meetings and discussions and actions at the ballot box. Because if we don't do that, we are condemning our children to lives of servitude and slavery or having to fight with arms and blood to restore the rights. We are either too cowardly or too apathetic to bother defending. Now, I hope you found this show interesting. In fact, I, I hope you'll share it with others. Let other people know. They can hear the Constitution Study weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. They can listen on our media player or apps for Apple, Android, or Alexa. There are plenty of options. If they can't listen live, hey, they can listen on a podcast. All of my shows go to podcasts a day or two after they're heard on the radio. Find them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts. But do me a favor, subscribe, rate the show. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find the links for all you need. Just go to AmericaOutloud.com. Share them with friends, family. Share them on social media so that we can all do our job, do our part to secure the blessings of liberty, not just for ourselves, but for our posterity and for everyone in this great nation from sea to shining sea. <laughs>